Welcome everyone to another episode of the Scattered Says podcast. Doing it a little bit different this week uh, because of the international break. We're going to do a skip straight into a little bit of a chat about the transfer window and specifically Arsenal. Um, so this week we're joined by one of our our friends at Scouted who's uh, contributed in the Scouted Football Handbook, uh, both number one and number two, uh, Phil Costa. So welcome, Phil. Thanks, mate. How's it going? I'm um, not too bad. Uh, and obviously, uh, your at is at underscore Phil Costa, if I'm if I'm right. Yeah, that's the one. So yeah, we can find you there. Uh, but we'll just jump straight into it. Uh, yesterday, uh, David Ornstein, who, am I right in saying that he's a bit of a mouthpiece of the club? Yeah, they they sort of use him as the trusted guy to to feed out information to the public. Um, you know, whether it's completely accurate or not it remains to be seen. But he's probably the uh, the go to guy for all Arsenal information. Yeah. So he released a, a statement uh, about Arsenal's transfer window, really um, detailing what happened, what went wrong. Um, so I thought it'd be a really good base to, to start our chat about Arsenal and, and what's really happening um, what's hap- yeah what's gone wrong at the club over the not just this transfer window um, but I think it says a lot about just the way the club's run in the transfer window um, and that goes back for multiple years. So the first part of the statement says Arsenal spent more than 100 million pounds in the summer of 2016 and I was told by several sources that even greater finance would be made available for the transfer window just gone. The club say a significant chunk of the budget went on Alexandre Lacazette's transfer fee in excess of fifty million pounds, and the salaries of Lacazette and Sad Kalasinac. So I think that's interesting that it says uh, that they were going to make a, a greater amount available, and yet then they add the salaries and of Lacazette and Kalasinac into the um, figure of that fifty million pounds of the transfer fee. Do you think that fans get duped by? Uh, these these press releases or not press releases, but uh, this filtering of information that says there's going to be a war chest of a certain amount of money, and um, and they don't understand the way that finances both transfer fees and wages. Um, or do you think that clubs are really trying to trick fans with with these releases that, of what they're going to spend? Look, I think it's I think it's a difficult one because you know as fans we're not really privy to you know, all that information about wages and, and amortization and, you know, maybe image rights and, you know, there's so much that we don't we don't know and and that we're not privy to when, when it comes to signings. We just think, you know, give give them the money that they want and we'll get the player. So um but now we're just finding out that it's not easy. I think Arsenal fans particularly are no strangers to the uh the war chest stories. Um these have been happening for for years now, you know, even when we we were really struggling, um, maybe just gone twenty ten, there was there were still stories that we had all this money to spend, and then we we'd end up buying, you know, below par players, and so there's always a hint of cynicism with Arsenal fans because we've just seen it all before. Um, you know, I think last season was a bad one, uh, our worst finish in. 21 years or 20 20 years so the club sort of had to filter stories through um that change was was on the horizon and you know the the atmosphere sort of settled after that FA Cup win because that sort of put a gloss on what was a really terrible campaign you know it gave us some some hope that 
we could sort of build on that and head into the new season with with some optimism. Um, but you know, after starting the window well initially, um, with the Kolasinac coming in early, um, and we know there was competition from from Juve and Chelsea for him, so you know that was that was moving in the right direction. And then and then Lacazette, who's been a, a long term target, a real finisher that we've that we've lacked of late. So again, that was brilliant. But then after that, the whole uh, Thomas Lamar situation, Jean-Michel Serri, um, you know, that was just an odd situation as well. Our negligence of the, of the midfield area has just been bizarre to say the least. And, and then deadline day with that whole Sanchez and Lamar fiasco was, was just, you know, a microcosm of what Arsenal have been over the last 10 years. So, I think in terms of finances, it's difficult because, like I said, we're not really privy to all the information, but there's no doubt that the club have moved the goalposts on a number of occasions this summer. And then on to the next part, um, which I also thought was interesting, and you said that um, got some good business done early, but then uh, as this release goes on further, it kind of says that Arsenal were very reliant on shifting a lot of Deadwood out of the club at least Shezny, uh, Giroud, Wilshire, Alneni, Gibbs, Chambers, Jenkinson, Akpom, and others as uh, players that were were dangled in the faces of other clubs as a as a way to to make space for for especially in Lamar, but um, possibly others as well. Um, why do you think Arsenal struggle so much to get these types of players out of the club? Um, in the release, it says Giroud and, Giroud and Wilshire decided to stay. Wenger changed his mind on Chambers. Perez asked to leave, was told to stay as it was seemed that Giroud was leaving, only for Giroud to stay so Perez could leave. But he was priced out of a permanent move, so ended up on loan. The departure of Gibbs took longer than expected. Gabriel was suddenly sold and Mustafi asked to leave, which suited Arsenal because it gave them the chance to replace a player they were disappointed with last season except they failed to land a replacement. So it really paints a shambolic picture. Why uh, do you think uh, that Arsenal struggled in this sense so much? Is it because there's no director of football? Because um, Wenger plays a, lo- a massive role in, in Arsenal's transfer business. Uh, can you explain? Well, first of all, I think the, the director of football argument is, uh, is definitely one to be made because, you know, just on the surface of things, we have... I think it's 18 players out of contract next season, which is, it's just completely negligent. Um, I mean, obviously, every top club, just any club actually, you know, it's normal to to sort of go through players, you know, chop and change your squad. It's normal. You recycle players, you bring more in. But for a club of, of this stature in particular to to be so sort of, just cold on on the contract front um and even you know you said with with the likes of Gibbs um Debushi Jenkinson you know they've got one year left um they're on huge wages because of their because of Arsenal's sort of socialist wage structure which we're slowly veering away from now but it sort of had to be implemented because of the uh, stadium move um so they're on big wages They've got one year left on the deal, which instantly puts us at a disadvantage in negotiations. And then seemingly when when there is interest in these players, we we price clubs out of a move. And, 
you know, the message coming from the club throughout the whole summer was we need to sell before we buy. But then we're turning down £14 million bids from Deportivo for Lucas, you know, which is a more than acceptable fee. Um, and, and now we've settled for a £4 million loan fee and, and no option to buy next summer. You know, so instead of making a three million loss on our investment last year, we're sort of settling on a five million plus investment loss. So it's Gibbs, West Brom bid ten million pounds for him earlier on in the summer. We rejected it because we thought it was too low, and and then he moved for seven. It's just there doesn't really seem to be a plan in place. You know, with the club, everything seems to be improvised and off the cuff, much like it is on the on the pitch in terms of tactics and, and substitutions. So it's it's honestly a bizarre situation. I mean, the the whole Wilshire situation has been poorly handled. One minute he's leaving, one minute he's not. Um, and then Wenger is out in public saying he wants to keep him here, but he knows he can't give him regular football. And then on deadline day, we're talking to clubs about sending him on loan again. The whole Giroud situation, we opened the door for him to leave, even though he's one of our most reliable goal scorers. And it's just, honestly, I can't find the logic in this thinking. Um, After last season, there should have been a clear plan to try and sort of get the club back on the road again, back on on a positive trajectory, because... The last few seasons in particular have been woeful and this squad is guilty of hoarding so many players who are just coasting, happy to sit on the on the bench with their with their wages, their fifty K wages. This is a chance to really shift that mentality, shift the quality, and we just didn't really do any of it until the last the last week where we were just scrambling to get things done. And when you're scrambling, everyone knows that you, in, you instantly uh, put yourselves down in negotiations, which is why we were coming off with such bad deals. Um, so it's just, you know, I don't know what exactly happens behind the scenes. We don't know. But as I said, it's just a lack of a plan, really. And then we suffer for it. The Lucas one especially is quite interesting because if you loan him out for, for four million pounds, you still have to uh, compensate for the fact that you might have to pay the existing part of his wage packet when he returns. You can't mm-hmm. uh, automatically uh, transfer that money that you that you have in reserve now to pay him when he comes back into funding another transfer. But I also thought it was interesting that the only players uh, that really attracted interest were the players that Wenger was hell-bent on keeping. So uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain and, and Sanchez, not not really Ozil, but... Um, were you happy with the with the Oxley Chamberlain deal? Um, do you think that he will improve by moving to a new club, or do you think that uh, nothing at Arsenal, the tactics weren't keeping him back? He's just uh, not as good as maybe some people think he is. Well, personally, I'm a, I'm a I'm a big fan of Oxley Chamberlain. I think his physical attributes are incredible. Um, you know, his pace, his drive, his strength, especially when he's running from deep with the ball at his feet are, you know, second to none. But he was with the club for seven years and he always left me with a 
a sense of wanting more. You know, there was always this potential. He always showed glimpses of what he could do, but there was never any consistency there. And I understand that he's he's a young player um, and still is, you know, a young player in terms of his development, both mental and technical. But there was, you know, there was just always this frustration that he he wasn't kicking on. And last season, he got an extended run in the side. You know, he played quite well. Um, but there was still his final ball, um, his end product. And he just sort of goes through these sort of crazy moments where he's he's in promising situations and then his head just goes down and he, you know, he fizzes the ball out of play or he makes the wrong pass, shooting when maybe a, another option was the more sensible one. And there's only so much of that you can you can tolerate before it really starts to frustrate you. And I think that wing-back role when Arsenal transitioned into the three-at-the-back formation really suited him because it gives him that opportunity to burst and and drive from deep. But his his passing, you know, it's quite erratic and it's not noticed as much out there than it is in the centre of midfield where he wants to play. And we've seen countless times that you know his his passing has been sloppy which has led to opposition scoring goals you know he dallies on the ball i mean he's got the the skills in his locker i mean he he can pass the ball well when he's you know not sort of he he has this tendency to kick the ball out of play a lot but he can find passes he can sort of do that link play in middle in the middle he can try forward um but at the wing back sort of out wide and in that role he can sort of get his head down beat a full back and cross the ball in which which really suited his game and there's always the hesitancy to to judge young players at Arsenal because our system doesn't really suit anyone we leave a lot of players open and out to dry um so there's always that reservation and you know I think at the end of the day, his time at Arsenal and his time under Wenger came to a natural end. Um, and even though he wanted to keep him, I think a move, you know, is is more than respectable. And his in his eyes, he wanted a change. He wants to pursue different different goals. And I think under Klopp, he will learn a lot. I think he suits their their style of play, but there's still major question marks over his his decision making and. Um, you know, just his overall play in the final third because everything else uh, is, is second to none. So it will be interesting to see how he uh, gets on under Klopp because I don't think he, he displaces anyone in that midfield um, at the moment anyway. So And there's even Naby Keita to come next year. So it's interesting to see what, what Klopp actually told him in within negotiations. Um, but yeah, so we'll just have to wait and see. I think it's a, it's a big loss to lose a player like that, but at the end of the day, I think it, it came to a natural end. And now it says that you got you, you received uh, £35 million for the signing of, of Oxlade-Chamberlain, but it also says that it's unclear how much of Oxlade-Chamberlain's fee was owed to his former club, Southampton, via salon clause. But regardless, um, the club probably still would have received at least £20 million with a few other uh, sales that were made, Gibbs. Uh, the the loan fee for for uh, Lucas Perez, are you still surprised um, that the only outlay as far as the transfer fee was Lacazette? Uh, even if Lamar didn't come, 
did you think that there were other areas that really needed strengthening strengthening that didn't receive uh, didn't receive any any boost in the transfer market look i think there were cases to be made for the whole spine the spine of the team really um Lacazette was a was a good signing. I'm I'm happy with him. I followed him for for a while now in Liga and for Lyon, and I think he's he's matured. He's he's added a lot to his game. So I'm more than happy for for him to be at the club. And I think he was a, a shrewd signing when you look at the fees of other centre forwards going around Europe. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, that I think the the central midfield is a is a glaring, you know, a glaring opportunity that's been missed. Um, because we we need a partner for Granit Xhaka that that can tailor to his strengths. Because at the moment we're just leaving him, you know, by himself, and you, everyone knows he's not the most mobile player. So it's easy for him to to be turned around by other teams. Um, I, you know, I think there was a, a really big case for for Jean Michel Serri at Nice. I think he was affordable. I think he brings that sort of mobility and technical security to the midfield maybe in the mould of a Cazorla. Um, and I think that would have been more than welcome in our midfield because we don't really have anyone that can bypass a press or pass through a press. Or alternatively, you could have gone for a more physical option like Corentin Taliso, Leon Goretzka, um, who's somehow still at Schalke, but there's, you know, he's got a year left on his deal, so I'm sure he'll be a man in demand come January. Um you know that those were two young, strong options who could play that box-to-box role, maybe with a bit more defensive discipline that that Ramsey, Aaron Ramsey, does, um, or someone, or even like a wild card like Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. I know he would have cost, would have a, cost lot a lot and, of money. Yeah, maybe Lazio would have been keen to to hold on to him, but I think he's he's a great profile. He's a strong driver from midfield, dominant in the air. You know, and I just think there were so many options that we could have maybe looked into. And the area is still sort of low on quality and low on depth. Um, it's still not balanced. And I, you know, I really worry about that going into this season. And also centre-back. Um, there were question marks over Mustafi last year, even though I think his raw talent uh would suit the Premier League. Uh, he has this weird habit of diving in, which drives me mad. Um, and you know he has these lapses of concentration that that really confused me at times as well. You know we sold Gabriel. He, Wenger doesn't seem to trust Callum Chambers, even though I'm a huge fan of his. It's just he doesn't want to play Mertesacker. He's leaving Rob Holding out to dry. It's just I don't know. I think there was there was even an argument for 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 a goalkeeper, even though Petacek is really experienced and you know still very good. I think maybe someone like Jack Butland uh, would definitely have been maybe an option to look into. So, you know, we made a good signing in Lacazette, a solid addition in Kolasinac, but there were still gaps over the squad that needed to be filled and we just didn't do it. And for whatever reason, whether that's a lack of funds or, you know, just a lack of confidence in the in the players that we shortlisted, I think that will come back to bite us this season. Yeah, there was this goal that Sadio Mane scored uh, in the in the 4-0 Liverpool-Arsenal game the other day. And it just showed um, the midfield of Arsenal pretty much essentially parted. Uh, Ramsey was, was nowhere to be found. Um, and he often gets sucked up forward and, and leaves, as you said, Shaka very exposed as, as a single midfielder against against the... Well, Liverpool had a midfield three. 
Um, and then also that left Arsenal's three centre-backs uh, almost entirely isolated against Liverpool's three uh, interchanging, fast, um, incredible attacking players. And on that Mane goal, he just took Rob Holding to his right and then cut him back inside and just finished into the far corner. I thought it was it was quite symbolic of everything at Arsenal. It's kind of um, tactically, there's no uh, the team doesn't operate in with any. Um, it's very individual. There's no responsibility. Cohesion. Yeah, there's no cohesion, no responsibility, uh, defensive responsibility mm-hmm. for another for other players. So. I think there's a lot of players that get targeted when they're the ones that look bad because they're isolated and don't have any help. Whereas um, absolutely, there's some that get let off the hook uh, as they drift forward. I, don't, I wouldn't say Ramsey gets let off the hook, but I think maybe Bayerin has been one recently that's kind of um, hasn't performed up to standard and he's been let off the hook. And also, uh, I think Wenger just had, has a lot of questions to answer for just how he set the club up in that match. No, I, I wrote a piece about this actually a few weeks ago after the defeat to Stoke. And, you know, there's just, it's been like this for a while now. Before you could look at this Arsenal side and think they're playing this style of play. They're playing lovely one-touch football. They're playing quick, you know, interchanging moves on the edge of the box. They're going through Ozil as their main creative hub. Now we, we just don't seem to have any style or or balance in the side or any cohesion going forward and in defense it's just a shambles it's open there's no organization and ultimately that's down to the manager I mean we're playing I don't know I still think it's criminal that we played Oxo Chamberlain at wing back against Liverpool even though we knew he wanted to leave his mind wasn't in the right place that was just a disaster and then even worse we're playing Bayern at left wing back when he's low on confidence, low on form, when we when we've bought the the best cent, uh, left wing back in the in the Bundesliga, you know it's it's bizarre, and Rob Holding, as talented as he is, and as well as he did last season, he's still a young centre back, and he's he's very raw, and he needs support, he needs organisation to thrive in a system, and that first half, I felt I felt sorry for him because Oxley Chamberlain was on walkabouts. Granit Xhaka couldn't cover the ground. Ramsey was, you know, playing as a second striker. And when you've got Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, Emre Chan, Genie Wijnaldum all running at you and you're isolated, you're going to struggle. And it's just, you know, for a for a manager of, of Wenger's esteem and acumen, this is just another baffling series of questions, um, you know, that I've just continued over in the last 18 months or so. And you said it perfectly. There's these are good players. We have talented players, but they're being made to look bad by a, by an incompetent system. Um, and it's just I don't know when he's going to try and fix this because you know we're on three points from nine after three games. And you're lucky and, almost to get those three as well. Yeah, and even even the first game that was a shambles, you know, and. We need to change something quickly because this is this is clearly not working. And you could say, oh, the players don't want to play for Arsenal Football Club. They don't want to play for the manager. But I don't think that's true. I just don't think they're being set up in a, in the right way to be able to perform at their at their level. So, you know, these are no 
new issues to Arsenal Football Club, but something needs to be done quickly because we don't look like a team that's going to challenge for the top four at this rate. Yeah, would you say that Shaka is maybe the most scapegoated player in the history of the Premier League? I, I very much feel sorry for him because he's come straight into an incompetent system that, yeah, as he says, just leaves him isolated just game after game. And he's not, as you said, he's not the most mobile player. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think look, last season he was definitely a scapegoat. Um, and what he does, he does very well. You know, he's he's the base of our of our side. He makes us tick. He can he can spray those those passes wide, those 50, 60 yard passes wide. He's got a good eye for a pass through the lines. You know, he'll often find Urzel or Ramsey who who look for that space in between the midfield and the back four. He's you know he's improving gradually on his right foot, which is a big problem. So over the last few months, you've seen him with a willingness to use it more. You know, he stopped diving in so much. So he, he can be the player that we we need at the base of that midfield. But the truth is, he's given the ball away three times this season in, in crucial areas, and we've conceded every single time. Um, which, you know, he, he has to be at fault for. But it's also, like you said, a fault of the system, because as soon as he gets the ball, everyone just runs away from him. You know, there's no link man. There's no sort of willingness to drop in and, and help him out with an option, with a triangle. You know, everyone just runs 50, 50 60 yards away. And and he seems like more of a midfield three type absolutely. player than a, than a midfield absolutely. two. Absolutely. We found joy last year with, with him at the base and Ramsey and Oxo chamberlain either side of him, um, which sort of offered a nice balance of technical and physical attributes. Um, but yeah, we're just... We're using him incorrectly. We're using, you know, Welbeck incorrectly. We're using Bayern incorrectly. We're using Ramsey incorrectly. And it's just, you know... you Monreal. Yeah, Monreal. You just look at these players and you think, these guys are, are talented players. They've all got, you know, international caps. They've won silverware abroad. They've won silverware here. But, you know, it's just a mess. And it's just a, you know, there's no real plan on or off the pitch which is which is what we're suffering for at the end of the day there's no clarity in what we want to do there's no plan for the future there's no structure you know and and it's no surprise that we're struggling because you know we didn't even know if our manager was going to renew until after the FA Cup final last year and how that is acceptable in a club like this is is beyond me yeah you said that uh that there was an, I think it was, you said 18 players expiring on expiring contract. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with 18 players on expiring contracts, then I'll go on. Yeah, there's, I think Oxley Chamberlain was one. So obviously he's now been moved on. Gibbs was another who's been moved on. Um, but obviously the big two are Sanchez and Ozil, um, which there's been no you know, progress on those talks. There's Jack Wilshire who still, you know, looks in the dark. There's Santi Cazorla who who still isn't fit and it's you know, no one knows if he's gonna play for Arsenal again. There's Murtasaka who's retiring at the end of the year. Um you know, there's youngsters like Akpoman who doesn't really feature in the side anymore but but still. Uh there was Debushi, there's Jenkinson. You know, these guys they need to be off our books and we just didn't you know, we didn't do a good job of that at all. And I know Arsenal hired a sort of lawyer um, 
from Sky actually to come and look in at this situation because the, it can't continue like this because we're losing value on our assets and then we're being forced to overpay for ones to replace them. So it's just not a healthy, it's not a healthy system at all. But do you think that once this year is done, this season is done, and these players are off the books, uh, do you think it's the last chance for for Wenger to really, um, really? promote a, a new culture at the club with he'll probably get a new bunch of signings with all these wages off the books um do you want to see him go young go experience and have a last tilt of the premier league uh is there specific with our scattered caps on is there a specific uh young player or two apart from lamar who is excellent coming off the wing and, and could be a, a nice sanchez replacement um but yeah is there a particular particular way you want to see the club move forward once all this deadwood's out of the club well, first of all, I think his his last chance should have been last season, uh, FA Cup win or not. Um, and I think as long as he's here, there's going to be this sort of laid back culture of improvisation. And, you know, we see it now. The successful managers in the league are Pochettino, Klopp, Mourinho, Guardiola. You know, these guys have beliefs. They have philosophies that are clear. Their teams are well drilled. They know what they're doing whether it's possession-based, pressing-based, you know, uh, counter-attacking-based, these guys, these managers, they're building success based on clear systems and clear ideas that they want running through their teams. And in terms of what we do next year, I, I honestly don't trust the club to to replace the likes of Ozil and Sanchez properly. Um, and I don't trust them to to plan properly because as we've seen in the last three or four years, they've they've given us no reason to believe in their abilities at, at boardroom level. There's They're split at the top. You know, some are Wenger in, some are Wenger out, just like the fans. Um, there's no, you know, the strong presence. There's no, you know, for a, Wenger is a clearly an intelligent man. You know, he's got a, a footballing brain. He's switched on. He speaks about eight different languages. But, there's no strength, there's no message coming from him that he's the man to turn this all around. And I think going forward, I would love to see us promote youth because that would offer some something different, something exciting to the fans. So like you said, Lamar, I think we could have had him in June, but we dallied around with the fee um, and we messed that up badly. I mean, he even came to visit London Colney um, and, and talked to the club and talked to Wenger. So... That was a deal that was there to be made, but we dallied and then Monaco dug their heels in. Uh, I think Julian Draxler at PSG is definitely one to keep an eye on. I know Wenger's a long-term admirer of him. And but he's having especially he's with have problems with time this season, getting on the pitch with all those new actions. Yeah, absolutely. There. Absolutely. Um, and I think he's going to see what happens this year and wait it out. But I think next year we should definitely revisit that. You know, I think Leon Goretzka would be a fantastic signing in midfield. Um, who's who's a sort of strong, energetic presence and scores goals. Who absolutely who can arrive late in the box, but can also do the defensive work. Um, you know, I think more than happy with with Bayer in at right at right wing back or right back. I think he's just going through a tough time at the moment. Um, you know, with a side that's that's not performing well anyway, so that's good. I think Kalasinac was another excellent purchase who's quite young. Um, I'd like to see us pursue with Callum Chambers and Rob Holding because I think as a partnership they can be 
um, sort of they can sort of build together because we've got Mertesacker retiring, Monreal aging, Koscielny aging. So you know, there's I think Alex Awobi as well, who's been forgotten about slightly, but I think he's a he's a brilliant player. Yeah, and what about some uh, under twenty one players as well, like Reese Nelson, for example? Yeah, absolutely. I think there was a lot of uh, so not uproar, but disappointment that we lost Chris Willock to Benfica this summer, um, who, who was clearly a talented player, but saw his opportunities into the first team blocked, much like Jadon Sancho at Manchester City. Um, but I always, I said it at the time, and I say it now, Reese Nelson is, is the one we all need to be keeping an eye on. Um, 17 years of age, and he's bossing under 23 football, you know, with ease. It's not even a challenge for him. So I think he's up Reece the player Nelson, of the month in the in the PL two as well. Yeah, exactly. So he he can really bring something to this side, and I would love to see him maybe play in the in the League Cup or the the Europa League next this year. Um, I think Eddie and Enketia as well is a is a really smart forward. Um, can sort of play that that false nine role of coming to drop deep, but when he's in front of goal, he's absolutely clinical. Um, both feet in the air, so clever, you know, and I think he's one to to watch out for as well. So even Ainsley Maitland-Niles, um, who was bizarrely played at centre-back during pre-season, um, I think he can bring energy to the midfield and a nice secure passer, much like Elneny. Uh So I'd like to see him given some, some time as well. But I think young players offer the only sort of excitement and variation because every year it's the same. We've we've seen it all before and it's just getting tiresome. And even the Europa League, no one wants to be in it. We all want to be in the Champions League, you know, playing the, the best of the best. But just having different teams to play a different competition, it's been quite refreshing, even though no one wants to, to really be there. I think it's going to be interesting to see Arsenal's strategy in the Europa League this season, whether they really go for it, seeing it as their only way back into the Champions League, because I think already they're very much off the pace and, and are going to struggle to make the, the top four, or whether mm-hmm. they'll they'll look to to really assault the league and, and, and play a lot of young players in, in the Europa League. I think the, the best way forward is going for the Europa League and, and maybe just settling for a, an average 6th, 7th place finish again in the league, try and blood mm-hmm. some new plays in and, and and um, and if Sanchez and Ozil aren't going to commit to re-signing with the club, maybe uh, give them a little bit of time on the bench and see what players like Reese Nelson uh, can do. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I completely agree. Uh, I completely agree with that. And I think, unfortunately, I don't think the club uh, would share that way of thinking. But realistically, I think there are four better teams than us in the in the league right now that are more equipped for a tie to one top four challenge. So I, I completely agree we should we should prioritise the Europa League, uh give a, the squad a nice chance to rotate, to to come in and impress, bed some youngsters in and, you know, as we get to the the latter stages really take it seriously because it's not easy. I know everyone gave United stick last year, um but we saw even against the likes of Celta and uh you know, even Ajax, even though they perhaps, you know, underperformed in the final, they, you know, they, they were a great team. They were there on merit, there. exactly. You know, and teams dropped down from the Champions League to be there. So, you know, this it's not an easy competition. And I think 
I would really appreciate a nice run at this because I, I do think it's the only way we're going to get back into the Champions League for next year. And, I, and I'm going back to the press release, this is probably the, the cherry on top with the last paragraph which said, the noises from the top are that owner Stan Kroenke is desperate and hungrier than ever to win trophies, but there is no hiding the fact that he will not, not be injecting a penny of his own wealth to assist the quest. Kroenke and the club are said to believe Arsenal can punch above their weight to triumph using their existing model. Uh, do you agree with this? Uh, do you think the existing model is dead in its current form? Oh yeah, absolutely. This is... Look, we can pin the blame on the players, we can pin the blame on Wenger, we can pin the blame on Ivan Gazidis, but at the end of the day, the the corruption of the core of Arsenal is coming from the top and that's down to Stan Kroenke. Um, that, that last line said it all. Um, not willing to invest a penny of his own wealth into into the club. I mean, what kind of majority shareholder is that? I mean, look across the league. Man, Man City, obviously their financial power is slightly sketchy, but um, even Tottenham... Yeah, even Tottenham, they they were given so much stick for not spending, but Mauricio Pochettino said, stay calm, we know what we're doing. Sold Carl Walker for 50 million quid. And, you know, they brought in an excellent young defender in Davinson Sanchez. They brought Serge Aurier. You know, they bought uh, Juan Foyth from Estudiantes. You know, they they recruited well and young as well. So there's a clear plan there for the future um, as well as the present and I do think they lack a quick wide player which will you know expose itself to the Wembley pitch in particular and I think they tried to address that problem in uh, Musa Sissoko and George Kevin and Kudu um, even though they haven't quite been up to standard but you know you look at these teams and they're and they want to to improve they want to to spend to give that obviously spending isn't isn't the only way to do so but Arsenal just had their worst finish in 20 years and we ended up making a profit in the transfer window. And I think we missed out on £30 million uh, by missing out on the Champions League. And funnily enough, that's how much profit we made. So, you know, I think that that says it all, really. It's just, it filters down from the top. There's this, you know, relaxed aura about just doing with what we have, competing with what we have. There's no urgency to to perform beyond our means there's no there's no ambition to be the best um there's no sort of drive to to want to change our fortunes around or turn our fortunes around and i think that absolutely that filters from the top and you can see from his his american investments like the st louis rams you know they're all unhappy with with Kronky for for the very same reason um, well the rams have been taken out to las vegas is that right exactly which is you know what what kind of decision is that? Yeah, it's terrible. Um, and you know, he he can sit away away from the situation in his ranch in Texas, wherever it is. But you know, he's laughing. He's making a return every year on his investment without putting a single penny into the club. And I think that is is a huge problem because it it just filters down throughout the club and it's it's rotting from the inside. And it you know. It, this is a problem that needs to be addressed. I'm not asking for a, you know, Abu Dhabi to come in and give us billions to spend every year, but we just need an owner or a majority shareholder that's on the same page as everyone, you know, who wants to 
who wants to achieve, who gives people something to believe in. Um, and we just don't have that at the moment. So it just trickles through, that mentality trickles through and it's filtered throughout the whole club. And that's why we're in this malaise because there's no urgency to 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 be better. We'll leave it. We'll leave it there on that note. Thank you very much, Phil, uh, for your time. And uh, we'll give you a, a shout out to your Twitter, of course, at underscore Phil Costa. But thank you again for coming on. No worries. Pleasure. Pleasure to come on.